today we continue our study of the heroes and villains of the Old Testament by looking at a heroine named Ruth. Uh, you may want to look in your Bible or uh, in your device to the first chapter of the book of Ruth, which is the eighth book of the Bible and follows the book of Judges. Ruth was born in the country of Moab. She grew up in Moab and she married and settled down in Moab. But Ruth didn't marry a Moabite guy. Uh, She married a man who was one of God's people, a man who was part of an Israelite family uh, living in Moab. And like all brides of her day, when Ruth got married, she left her father's house and moved with her husband into her father's father-in-law's house. Uh, For Ruth, this meant moving into a house shared by her husband, uh, his brother and uh, his brother's wife, Orpah, and her husband's father and mother. And this story revolves around the women in the house, Ruth, her sister-in-law, Orpah, and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And living in the same house with your mother-in-law and your sister-in-law may sound like a nightmare to you, but from all appearances, it worked out pretty well for Ruth and Orpah and Naomi. Then tragedy struck. First, Naomi's husband died. Then Orpah's husband died. And finally, Ruth's husband died. And suddenly, Naomi and her two daughters-in-law were thrust into a desperate situation. Uh, They were in a desperate situation because by losing all the men in their family, uh, Ruth, Orpah, and Naomi were dropped into the basement of society. They were dropped into uncertainty and insecurity and eventual poverty. Uh, And as a foreigner in Moab, Naomi's best, perhaps only option was to go back to her native Israel. Uh, Not that going back to Israel was going to solve all her problems. The truth was Naomi's future was grim. If Naomi's chances were best in Israel, Ruth and Orpah's uh, chances were best staying in Moab. Uh, They had family in Moab who could take them in, and there was the potential that uh, two Moabite men may want to marry them. Uh, Naomi had to go back to Israel, but Ruth and Orpah had the option to either stay in Moab or go with Naomi. Ruth and Orpah had the same option, but they did not make the same choice. Uh, The choices they made are recorded in these words from Ruth, chapter 1, beginning with verse 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and Ruth and Orpah wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Verse 14. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went 
on. So Ruth and Orpah had the same uh, option, stay in Moab or go with Naomi. They had the same option and they both said the same thing in response to Naomi. Verse 10, we're told that both Ruth and Orpah said to Naomi, we will go with you to your people. But Orpah didn't follow through with what she said. On the other hand, Ruth did follow through. Uh, And that's why there's a book in the Bible named Ruth. Uh, There's no book of Orpah. There's no Orpah's book club. Nothing. Uh, What Ruth did set her apart in God's eyes because of her relational commitment. That was more than just words. Ruth didn't just talk about being committed. Ruth lived that commitment in a selfless way that was more than just words. And if I'm going to be a hero in God's eyes like Ruth, I need to overcome my tendency to be undercommitted and commit to the key relationships where God calls me to be committed. A college guy uh, walked in uh, with a framed photograph into one of these places that duplicates uh, photos. And the process uh, involved removing the photo from the frame. And the owner noticed the inscription on the back of the photograph. It said, my dearest Tom, I love you with all my heart. I love you more and more each day. I will love you forever and ever. I am yours for all eternity. And then it was signed Diane, and then it had a P.S. and said, if we ever break up, I want this picture back, (laughs) which I, I think just sums up the way we think about commitment. We talk about being committed in our relationships, but it's really just talk. But Ruth was different. Even though it was immeasurably harder to stay with Naomi, Ruth didn't make her decision based on what was easy. Ruth made her choice based on a commitment. And the Bible doesn't tell us the precise basis for Ruth's commitment to Naomi. Maybe Ruth's commitment to Naomi was an extension of her marriage commitment. uh, Or maybe Ruth's commitment to Naomi was just friendship to a woman she loved and who was now grieving and in a desperate situation. Maybe as a combination of both those ideas. All we know is that what set Ruth apart in God's eyes was that she had a relational commitment that was more than just words. And the rest of the book of Ruth is the amazing story of how God reveals or how Ruth reveals relational commitment and how God rewards relational commitment. Now, we've already seen how Ruth reveals her relational commitment. Now, let's summarize the rest of Ruth's story that demonstrates how God rewards Ruth's kind of relational commitment. So Ruth followed Naomi to Israel and 
that first things were very rough. But then a wealthy man named Boaz took an interest in Ruth. And the Bible says in Ruth chapter 2 verse 11 that the reason that Boaz was attracted to Ruth was because he noticed how at tremendous personal cost Ruth was committed to stay with Naomi. In fact, Boaz was so attracted to Ruth's relational commitment that he asked Ruth to be his wife. And they really did live happily ever after. And Ruth proves that there is something eye-catching on a human level about a relationally committed person. But even more important... Ruth also proves that relational commitment catches God's eye. And God has special rewards for those who display a selfless commitment in their relationships. And I've already mentioned that Ruth and Boaz were married. What I haven't told you yet is that Ruth and Boaz had children together. And that's historically important because, as it says in the last verse of the book of Ruth, Ruth's son Obed was King David's grandfather, which is amazing in itself. But we know that King David was the great, great, great grandfather of a certain baby who was born in Bethlehem in King David's city. And so the thrilling message of Ruth's life is that not only is relational commitment attractive on a human level, but Ruth's relational commitment catches God's eye to such a level that he rewarded Ruth with a big part in his plan by making Ruth the ancient mother of Jesus, the Savior of the world. So Ruth went from being a uh, forgotten, poor, destitute widow to becoming a happy wife and mother who is remembered to this day as a big part in God's plan to bless the world through Jesus. All because at one crucial moment, Ruth chose to be relationally committed. Ruth is a hero in God's eyes, and God wants me to learn from her how to overcome my natural tendencies toward undercommitment in my key relationships. God knows that I can't be selflessly committed to everyone in this world, but in the Bible, God lists four key relationships he calls me to a real commitment uh, in. And, and when I'm committed in these four relationships, God promises to reward me. And I want to be one of those people that God rewards. You want to be one of those people who God blesses and makes a blessing in this world. So let's discuss these four key relationships God wants us to be committed to. First, God rewards relational commitment to my neighbor. In Leviticus chapter 19, God puts it clearly. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord your God. And then when God came to earth in the person of Jesus, 
Jesus said the same thing in Luke chapter 10. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus told a story to explain who my neighbor is and what it means to be committed to my neighbor. Jesus explains all this through the story of a man who was robbed and beaten on a road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And Jesus said two separate travelers saw the wounded man ahead and their reaction was to avoid the situation by passing by on the other side of the road. And these two people understood God's call to love their neighbor, but they didn't want to make the commitment and get involved. And so they avoided the wounded guy and all his pain. But the good Samaritan was good because he was willing to commit with some involvement. He bandaged his neighbor. He brought him to an inn and paid for his care out of his own pocket. And in this story, Jesus is not calling me to care for every wounded person on every road in the world. He's calling me to care for the one wounded Naomi, one wounded neighbor on my side of the road. And when I make this commitment, I experience God's reward, just like God rewarded Ruth by using her to bring Jesus to the world as I care for the Naomi's, for the neighbors in my life. God can use me to bring Jesus and his miracle working power into my world, one relationship, one committed relationship at a time. A week ago, uh, David, a, a friend of mine here at BlackRock, uh, went through something really difficult. Uh, David's father, uh, who had some alcohol issues, got into a confrontation with police at his home in Ridgefield. And the confrontation involved a gun, and the Ridgefield police fatally shot David's father. And there was blood everywhere. David is, of course, in serious grief, but he is also part of a BlackRock community group. And these friends, these neighbors, have been a good Samaritan to David. Not only are they binding his wounds, but they are doing things that David could never bear to do. It was David's community group that went to his father's home to clean up the blood. David didn't ask them to do it. They just did it. They got on their hands and knees and did what David could not bear to do. This is commitment to a neighbor. Can you be a good Samaritan like, like this to a neighbor in your life? Yes, you can. But only if you overcome your natural tendency toward avoiding any kind of commitment in your relationships. It just may be that there's a Naomi in your life who is wounded and hurting right now. Make the commitment to that neighbor on your side of the road. And as you stand by in hard times, as you love and care when others can't or won't, like Ruth, you will be rewarded by God as you see God use you to bring Jesus to others. God used Ruth to bring Jesus to the world. And the same thing happens when you reach out and commit to a hurting neighbor. You bring Jesus into your world. 
Second, God rewards relational commitment to my spouse. God stressed the reward of marriage commitment from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, where God says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. That's the reward. What does it mean to be relationally committed to my spouse? Well, being relationally committed in my marriage is much more than just resolving not to get a divorce. Being relationally committed to my marriage means a commitment to keep on investing in my marriage, even when it's hard, so that my spouse and I grow closer together. Being relationally committed in my marriage means growing in oneness with my spouse, serving my spouse's needs, doing the hard work of consistent communication, resolving conflict with honesty and forgiveness, regularly praying for and with my spouse, being physically and emotionally available to my spouse, dating my spouse, planning fun together. You know, in a sermon a year ago today, I issued to you a growing your marriage challenge. And I ask you to pray with your spouse at least once a week, uh, go on a date with your spouse at least once a month, and participate in one marriage enrichment activity over the course of the year. And if you signed up, we sent you a once a month uh, email with helpful ideas, and it changed your lives, those of you who participated. These three simple steps will transform your marriage and help you to love your spouse with 1 Corinthians chapter 13 love. In 1 Corinthians 13, um, this is a scripture passage where God tells us that love is not a feeling, but love is patient. Love is kind. Love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love always protects. If you're married, God is looking to reward you for your relational commitment to your spouse. And my message to you from God is don't give up on your commitment. Ruth's story proves that God loves rewarding those who stay relationally committed even when it's hard. But that's not all. Uh, Ruth's story also proves that God rewards relational commitment to my parents. Uh, The fifth commandment is honor your father and your mother so that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land your Lord God is giving you. Now, Although this command applies to children and teens, it's worth noting that like the rest of the Ten Commandments, the Fifth Commandment is written primarily to adults. And it's also worth noting that the Fifth Commandment is the only commandment of the Ten that also contains a promise from God that it may go well with you. God says, honor your parents. And the Hebrew word for honor means to give weight. So the fifth commandment is God calling me to make my relationship with my parents of heavy importance, which does not mean that I fake having a good relationship with my parents if I don't have one. But it means that God gives me this this heavy importance so that it means that Even if I have a difficult relationship with my parents, God calls me to give my committed best to my half of the relationship. And I know that there are adult sons and daughters here today who, like Ruth, have gone to immense personal sacrifice and cost to serve their aging parents and in-laws. And through Ruth's story, God wants you to know 
that your relational commitment will be rewarded. Finally, God rewards relational commitment to my children. Uh, Psalm chapter 127, verse 3. Sons and daughters are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from Him. Now, at this point, we all say the same thing. We all nod our heads and say that children are a blessing and a joy and a treasure. But God sees beyond our words. And He sees how we often let our busy schedules, our adult worries, and our concerns push our children to the side. My father uh, grew up in uh, Bloomington, Illinois, in deep poverty during the uh, Great Depression. His parents were so poor that there was barely enough to eat, and so there certainly wasn't any desserts, no sweets or treats. But when my dad was uh, about eight years old, his mom worked at a local diner called Steak and Shake, which was famous for an ice cream drink called the Orange Freeze. And so she washed dishes at the steak and shake until about 1 a.m. in the morning. And sometimes at closing, uh, the boss would let her make an orange freeze. And then she would run home in the dark, careful not to spill it, but running so that it wouldn't melt. And then she would wake up my dad at 2 a.m. in the morning so he could taste a special treat. And then he'd go back to sleep. Last weekend, my father went back to Bloomington, Illinois. And about the first thing he did was go back to the steak and shake, uh, which is what he does every time when he returns to uh, Bloomington. Uh, That steak and shake is still there. And he orders what he always orders. He orders an orange freeze because it has the sweet taste of commitment. After 70 years... He still remembers that sweet act of commitment from his mom. And that's the way it is with people who follow God in relational commitment. These people are unforgettable. Are you unforgettable in anyone's life? Like Ruth, you can be a blessing to, the, to your world. God gives you four key relationships and He calls you to be committed to your neighbor, to your spouse, to your parents, to your children. You can overcome under commitment. You can be rewarded like Ruth. You can be a hero in God's eyes.